Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Hello, good morning everybody. Great to see you all. Good morning to those watching online and to those downstairs as well in the overflow. Good morning to you too. It's a great privilege to be sharing the word of God together. And uh, parents, well done, you've made it to half term. (laughs) And now life gets harder because now you've got your kids in half term. So uh, hopefully you will have a good time uh, regardless. Hey, we started, let's rewind back, two, two weeks ago we started a series uh, where we're going to be looking through First and Second Peter and we had Reverend Dr. John Andrews come to give an overview and I thought it'd be good to recap some of that to help us uh, through the rest of our series. So just a reminder, 1 and 2 Peter were written by uh, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples or apostles if you will, and he was writing towards uh, Christian communities, churches in northeast Turkey, so Asia Minor is what they called it at the time. And uh, his message or his letters, these beautiful letters, kind of had three overarching themes to them. One of them was simply to remind them who they were in Christ as a new community of believers, followers of Jesus, and you'll get that through the letters. The second thing was simply, if you are part of the Christian walk, if you're living a Christian life, then there's going to be suffering involved, okay? And very much so for them, there was persecution breaking out at that time. But the suffering wasn't just for suffering's sake. There's a reminder throughout Peter in his messages that we're suffering just as Christ suffered, Okay, so it's not useless, it's not just suffering for suffering's sake, it's suffering to join in the sufferings of Jesus. It's part of walking with him. And finally, uh, Peter, in uh, these letters, would continue to talk about Jesus' return, the hope of glory, of his glorious return. And so that's what um, you'll be hearing and seeing as you read through and uh, join us in our services on Sundays uh, together. Now, John led out with chapter one the last time we met, and he gave a little overview of chapter one as well. And so it'd be good to remind ourselves what we picked up there. Firstly, he was saying that Peter was sharing that we are a chosen people. And it's a good reminder that uh, we realize we're not just chosen uh, for being chosen as well. We're chosen for a reason and for a purpose. We'll share a bit more about that later on. We're also strangers Uh, Some of us are more strange than others, but that's okay. But the point of that um, point was simply that uh, we are in the world, but we're not of the world, okay? We belong to a heavenly kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, God's kingdom, if you will. And finally, that we are scattered for purpose. And so uh, that's the recap of chapter one. And today we're going to be looking at chapter two. So if you've got your Bibles with you, that's where we're going to be in. But um, before we go into that, I was just in my prayer, in my time of uh, preparing, I was asking, oh, what, what do you have for us in our time in the word? But what's on your heart? And I believe what was God's heart is an invitation. Now, God is good and loving, so please don't come at me. But God's invitation, God's invitation is for us to grow up. Is that all right? And not just to grow up, but to keep growing up. 
How many of you, maybe even this week, have wished they were a child again? I mean, even, even the, yes, I see those hands. E- even the teenagers, yeah? We wish we were a kid at certain points. Life was so much easier, so much simpler, right? There was less complications, less responsibility, less financial burdens, and, and you could eat more and it wouldn't affect places on your body, right? I want to be young again. Now, here's the thing. Teenagers, I get you. Growing up, becoming an adult is hard. But what you don't know, teenagers, is when you are an adult, it's hard to remain an adult. All I want to do is regress. And uh, in this same way, you know, God is calling us to grow up. And it, it's to grow up in our relationship with him. To grow up in our faith. To allow faith to mature in us. And, and here's the thing. God desires that for us. And it's good. And we're going to look in scripture at how we are to grow up. What, what ways does God desire us to grow up? And so we'll take it again from chapter two, because the issue is the reason there's this challenge to grow up is because it's easy for us to be, oh, no, I'm OK where I am with Jesus. I'm OK. I'm comfortable in this place. Let's not move. Let, let, I'm plateauing here and that's good. But Jesus is saying, no, there's more. I want you to grow up. So chapter 2, verse 2, and I'm going to read from verses 2 to 8, and we'll progressively work through the chapter, but we'll spend most of our time here. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. (laughs) As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe... This stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Now, parents among us, I don't know if you've uh, done this whilst your toddler or baby was really young. Um, I did it because I like to have fun and get a kick out of my, my children's misery. But have, uh, have, have you ever um, fed your child a lemon? Have you, seen, have you seen that at least online? Trust me, if you haven't, look online and you see all these cute baby faces just scrunch up, like retract, and, 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 and the taste is sour, right? It's, oh, I do not like it. You can see that. Well, fortunately here, what we're shown in our new life with Jesus, the saving work of Jesus that brings new life and a new identity is sweet. It tastes good, but it's not enough, says in scripture, that we are to grow in our salvation. So it's not enough to have a new life and to have a new identity. Actually, our first call today from Jesus is that we would grow up in our identity in Jesus. Not simply grow up in our identity, as the world would say, 
but grow up in identity in Jesus. And if you look in this passage, we'll see that Peter takes a long time, not just in chapter 2, but he's constantly telling us who Jesus is because it relates to us. How Peter describes Jesus in turn defines who we are. Look with me. Verse 4. Who is Jesus? Peter describes him and identifies him as the living stone, the living stone. But if you read on to verse 5, as we come to him, we are also what? Living stones. Because he is the living stone, we are living stones. And not just living stones, but collated together, collected together. We are a house, a spiritual house. This is imagery of a temple. And it goes on to talk about priest and sacrifice. This is who we are because of him. If we are to grow up in our identity, we need to understand, we need to realize that Jesus defines us. Now, we are a new person. We are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Your new identity relates to who he is, not what you were. I'll say it again. Your new identity relates to who he is and not what was before. Not your life before. You've been redefined. You've been given a new identity in Christ Jesus. And it comes from him and continues to come from him. Not from your past and not from you. From him. So let's look at how Peter continues through the passage. Because he continues to talk about who Jesus is. And then relates who Jesus is to who we are and who we are called to be. And using it, what does, what does Peter do? He talks about rocks. So we're going to talk about Jesus like rocks. What are the three stones? What are the three rocks we are presented with in the passage? Jesus is the living stone. He gives us new life. What else is he? Jesus is the cornerstone. Cornerstone, as it says, it's part of the corner of the building. In fact, it is vital. It is essential for a building to stand. The cornerstone is what we build the building on. It's what we build the living stones on, the other living stones, right? So Jesus being not just the living stone that gives us life, but he's the cornerstone on which we build our lives collectively upon. Listen to this. I, I checked it out online, always looking for definitions online because I don't carry a paper dictionary. Here you go. The rock, this is what the cornerstone is. The rock upon which the weight of the entire, the entire structure stands. Oh, that's, that's heavy for us, right? But Jesus can, can carry that. This whole church family, if you consider yourself family, then we need to build our lives, all of us, completely on the cornerstone. Any other stone and we're, we're going to crumble. I loved that we sang in, I, don't, I don't, can't even remember what song it was. Was it Christ Alone? When we talked about cornerstone and it says, come uh, the fierce drought or the fierce storm. No, we stay standing because we're on the cornerstone. Now, we, I just said we stay standing. What's the third stone? It's a stumbling stone, a rock on which people stumble. But it's only a rock on which people stumble if they reject him. 
It says the, the builders rejected him. It says later on, as at the end, I think verse 8, they disobey. And this rock, Jesus now becomes a stumbling stone where people fall and people perish. I pray for us as a church family, Jesus is the two first stones and not the latter, okay? He is the living stone and he is the cornerstone. Now, let's just recap. Who, who's, who's writing about stones here? Who is it? It's Peter. And this is a, a recall to Peter's confession of who Jesus is. So if you want to join me, come into Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 to 18. It's amazing. So uh, here we have Jesus asking, well, who do you say I am? Remember? Yeah. By what Jesus is, we are, right? And Jesus has asked the question, who do you say I am? And people have said this and that about him. And so he says, well, who do you say I am? To his disciples. And Peter, he picks up here. This is what Simon Peter says. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living. Hear that echo? Living God. All right. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Just stop there. What's that? It's God. It's Jesus defining Peter from Simon to Peter. And then what does he say? And on this rock, I will build my church on this rock. Are you seeing the imagery? Are you seeing the lines? On a revelation that Peter has of Jesus as the Messiah, the son of the living God, because of that, Jesus, because of the faith confession, Jesus says, Simon, or Simeon, which means read, I believe, um, you are now Petros, you are Peter. On the revelation of who Jesus is, Peter is renamed. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, Peter isn't simply the rock. Isn't that funny as well? Jesus, the living stone. Peter, the rock. But it's not simply him who's the rock. It's the revelation. What is the revelation? The revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. What we can take from this is our revelation of God. Our revelation of Jesus as saviour builds the church it builds who we are it builds us up Jesus is the living stone Peter may be the rock but actually the confession of faith revelation from God builds us up on the cornerstone and that's something collective that's something we have to do together notice it doesn't say a living stone here we're living stones scattered in this phrase we're living stones built together into a house. There's no garage off to the side. We're together. We're one. One place. Now, here's the challenge. Here's the difficulty. And I'm going to open up and share some of my difficulty with this. Is in this time, in this world, I can choose to be defined by so many other things including myself, my own thoughts, my own perspectives, maybe the worldly perspectives, maybe the worldly values, maybe simply by what I have, the things that I've got that are good, maybe that could define me. Maybe it's the pain, the trauma in my life, maybe that would define me. Maybe it's my successes, my achievements. All these things fight to define us. We're defined in Jesus. 
we need to grow in our identity in him. And so this week, I was just chatting with Han, and uh, before I was chatting with Han around the dinner table, um, I was out in London, and um, I, I hadn't quite bumped into a friend, but I saw a friend from afar who I went to school with. So we've had seven years together, and we went through all these kind of subjects in sixth form together, and they were really, like, at the time, they were really close friends. Now, they, they moved off to Australia, and it's been ages, and, and they finally came back, and I saw him, but I didn't get to meet him in the busyness of London. And so I just DM'd him, I direct messaged him uh, through social media, because we're not even on WhatsApp terms, all right? So I, I reached out to him, and I was like, yo, great to see you, um, are you, are you here and so we had a bit of a back and forth and then I asked oh we should catch up sometime we should meet up and uh, and then he just ghosted me he just stopped talking to me I know thank you for your sympathy because that's what I was looking for in in Hannah and she didn't give it to me my wife by the way so I'm coming here for my woes but I uh, yeah, and I'd seen, they'd seen it, they'd been on the app before, and, and no, no longer did they want to spend time with me in person. And yeah, I know, don't guilt you, this is away from the point. <laughs> the point is, I start getting miserable. Oh. Yeah, no, stop it. <laughs> I, no, 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 no. You, you won't join my misery. But I started wallowing and started pitying myself. Oh, maybe I wasn't a good enough friend. Or maybe I'm not popular enough. You can R on that one. Maybe, maybe, maybe I wasn't a lad enough with this guy for him to value me and come out. I just started saying all these things. I don't know, maybe they could be right, but I started defining myself by my friendship. And that's a weakness in me. I'll admit it right now. The challenge I've had in my life a lot of the time is how I relate to people. I gain, wrongly, my identity I define myself by how good my relationships are, friendships are, and whether I'm a good enough friend for people or not. And I remember Hannah just saying, David. She didn't say shut up, but that's, that's what came across as she lovingly rebuked this woeful moment, which you guys have been so loving to. If you could speak to her about it, that'd be great. But, um, but guys, we all have our weak points. We all have our blind spots. And... How great is this? I have a loving wife who will call me out when I'm identifying or defining myself in something that's not right, that's not truth. Guys, we need each other. This is the point of being a house, living stones upon one another, upon the living stone. Lovingly, we've got we've to be able to call one another out when we're being defined by something else other than God. And it's easy, I know it is, it's easy to go back to our old life and defaults, but can I encourage you? You're a new creation. You are defined by your relationship with Jesus, not by anything else. And if you start defining yourself by other things, you find yourself off the cornerstone, then you'll stumble anyway. You'll fall. So, we need to grow up in our identity in Jesus. Let's continue uh, reading. So in the passage in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
You were once this without Jesus. You are now this with Jesus. And here it is. I know John Andrews shared it, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But basically, for a reason, for a purpose. Not, let's not just revel in, oh, this is who I am now. But for a purpose. And so um, it says even in the passage that you may declare the praises of him. Now, I've just done a bit of work for you guys to make it a bit quicker, but look at Bible imagery, please, because it gives you more. It gives you more keys. So if we can put up the table I've done and just looking at who Jesus is, then who we are in Jesus, therefore what our purpose shall be from it. So look, we've already talked about living stone and we are the living stones because he is the living stone, which means we are to be a spiritual house. We're supposed to be a temple. We're supposed to be something like where priests gather is actually the presence of God. We're supposed to host the presence of God. We're supposed to carry the presence of God. That is our purpose. Let's go on to the next one. The son of God. This is what Peter says in Matthew. You are the son of God, which means if Jesus is the son of God, then we're the children of God also. You are sons and daughters, chosen sons and daughters of God most high, the living God. You're called to live as his family. Now, family, not just you and Jesus. Family. I want to hit this point hard today. We're called to be together, to be family together, which means not only do we relate to God, to Jesus, but we need to work out as Jesus leads us in our relationships, how do we relate to one another? I'm not saying you need to know everybody in this room. That's impossible. Uh, Well, when it's possible, but in terms of how Jesus wants you to relate, it's important. We're a church family. So allow God to cultivate those relationships among yourselves, among people. There's people here that God has purposed you to be with and to journey with, maybe for a season, but there's people here you are journeying with or called to journey with to fulfill your purpose at least in this season. Let's keep going. The Messiah. The Messiah is the anointed one, the chosen one, which means you are chosen. We are a chosen people. And that relates back to Abraham, probably before, if you're going to get all high and mighty on me, but from Abraham's day of being chosen. And if we look about being chosen from a family to a nation, what's it all about? It's about the fulfillment of God's promises, which is what, eventually? To bless the nations. This is all outside stuff. I love it to bless and to represent and to be what God has called us to be. So we are to the fulfillment of God's promise. Now, I know it doesn't say, we haven't looked at text saying high priest, but we have seen here orderly now, chosen people, royal priesthood. Now, this is awesome. The royal priesthood is to represent Jesus, but not just to represent Jesus. In the time of the Old Testament, they were the ones who attended the temple. They did the comings and goings. They did the sacrifices. The high priest did that too. (laughs) The high priest was the only one who could go into the holies of holies. And Jesus has done that for us and brought the holy of holies, brought the presence to each and every one of us. I mean, there's layers where you could go back to it, but we are called to be ministers, not just David, accredited minister on the stage. We all, if you have a relationship with Jesus, do you know you're called to be a minister? You are called to represent God to bring about his purposes. And finally, uh, Jesus is the king. I know it's not in the text, but actually you get that from royal as well. 
And uh, what is a king king of? A nation. What makes a nation a king? And uh, maybe not so much anymore, but actually in this country, <laughs> it still works. So there you go. Um, Jesus is the king. Therefore, we are a holy nation. And what are we supposed to do as a holy nation? We're supposed to be Christ's ambassadors. We're supposed to represent him. Now, here's an even cooler layer to this all. Peter is writing to the churches in Asia Minor, maybe Jews from the dispersion, from when there was persecution, but these churches would have been filled with Gentiles, non-Jews. And all this language is basically very Jewish. How cool is this that Peter is saying, Jews and Gentile believers, you come together. Oh, it's so good. We've been grafted in, people. Speaking to the non-Jews around you. We've been grafted into the promises of God that we may be called those things. It is such a privilege. It was impossible. Yet God has made it possible through his son, Jesus. Now, I know, especially as a young person growing up, like we always want, well, what's my purpose? And I see it in terms of what's my career? Or what am I going to do? Or by a relationship? Or by something I'm going to do? Or by influence? Or by leadership and things like that? And I understand that is in the forming of our purpose. But let me just say, what's the cornerstone? What undergirds this all? It's simply to know Jesus. This is your purpose. To know Jesus and make him know. So we need to grow up in our purpose for Jesus. We're going to continue reading now. Uh, we'll look from verse 21 to the end of the chapter, 25. This is what Peter continues to write. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in him, uh, in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. My final point of growing up is to grow up in our obedience to Jesus. Here's Jesus, Christ's example we are to follow. Here's Jesus. I love this. Peter's giving the imagery again. Lean into the imagery of a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. And those who don't know Jesus are like lost sheep. Now, this is what's so brilliant. Peter's already made a little call to his confession by talking about the rock motif, yeah? Here... Peter's actually making a little signal to his denial of Jesus. So when Peter is in the courtyard, Jesus is being questioned. And then Peter is questioned among some audience around a, a fire pit, if you will. And he denies knowing Jesus. A man who's followed Jesus for two and a half years, experienced miracles, probably performed... I mean, he walked on water. The guy's done pretty well for himself in terms of relationship with Jesus. He messed up a lot of time. But here in this instance, all of a sudden, he's not following Jesus, is he? I mean, he, got it, he followed him into the courtyard. But then what you find out, he denies Jesus and he runs away. Peter was not prepared to take on any insult or embarrassment from following Jesus. But it seems to show in this text here 
that if we follow Jesus, if we live by the book, the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the scriptures, it seems that life isn't just hard, but actually following Jesus will be difficult at times. There will be suffering. There will be painful seasons. Just like Jesus. So we get to relate to him in his sufferings as well as his glory. And this is why, again, Peter writes about the future glory, to encourage those in those seasons of persecution or difficulty. It's not easy following Jesus. But when you follow Jesus, when you seek after him, he defines who you are. So you don't leave it for the world to take on you. Interesting, isn't it? Relate it back. Have we disobeyed Jesus? Did, like Peter, like left Jesus. And when he left Jesus, he was sad. He wept bitterly. It was as if Jesus became a stumbling block to him. He fell. Jesus needs to be the cornerstone that we build our lives upon. And Jesus, when he rises again, <laughs> on one of the... Um, many appearances he had in the New Testament following his rising again. He met with his disciples. He met with Peter. And what does he say to Peter? He says, feed my sheep. Oh, wait, Jesus is a good shepherd. And, but now, now he's calling Peter to feed sheep. We are who Jesus is and who he calls us to be. We are in him. And I know suffering is difficult. I know, uh, let's not just bring it to suffering. Your relationship with Jesus may cause embarrassment or difficulties with even family members, friends, colleagues, I don't know, teachers, staff. It, it's not supposed to be easy. I wish it were, but actually my job <laughs> is to grow up and be obedient to Jesus. Can I encourage you, church? It's worth growing up and being obedient to Jesus. Let's not be like Peter, although we'll have our moments when we run away. Thankfully, Jesus is so kind. He welcomes us back. His kindness, his kindness in our lives bring us back to repentance. But allow Jesus to be the one who defines who you are. So, to close, because we've covered a lot of ground here. One chapter, lots of, lots of ground in our lives covered. We are to grow up in our identity in Jesus. I just want to ask now before we respond, what could that mean for you? We are to grow up in our purpose for Jesus. Again, what does that mean for you? Maybe that's the area God's leaning into for you. And then finally, we need to grow up in our obedience to Jesus. Maybe, dare I suggest, we, we may need to repent or say sorry you know, maybe we haven't been obeying him. So what we're going to do now, we're going to welcome the band up and uh, more importantly, I'm going to welcome the Holy Spirit to speak to each and every person here, from young to old, <laughs> from old to young. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to reveal unto us, boy, don't worry guys, reveal unto us what it is you're saying to us. Because the loving Father, if we're his children, he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you uniquely, personally. And what I love is, from Peter's moment of becoming the rock in front of Jesus, that all came from revelation from the Father. It wasn't just something he thought of it. We need the Holy Spirit to bring fresh revelation into our situations right now to lead and guide our response. So, Holy Spirit, 
come. Come and minister to our hearts. I know you've been at work already, but Lord Jesus, I pray for each and every person here seeking after what it is on your heart for them, that Lord God, you would lead and guide them with wisdom and revelation. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9 and 11am in person and online.